Thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Church Online Podcast. This is Pastor Andrew, and whether you're listening in the car or at the gym, or maybe just sitting down with a cup of coffee and an open Bible in front of you, we hope that through this message, God will meet you right where you are and help you grow in your personal relationship with Him. So let's jump right into this week's study of God's Word together. Okay, uh, so uh, we're in Acts chapter 21 today. Man, only two more sermons in Acts. We'll wrap it up next Sunday. But Acts chapter 21 today, and uh, let me start with this. There was a pastor who was at home in his study uh, working on his sermon for the upcoming Sunday. And uh, he had his Bible open there on his desk. He had the, you know, the yellow legal pad, and he's writing things down and uh, but to be candid, you know, the pastor was struggling with what he should preach about. He didn't really know exactly what to say or how to say it, and it was evident because you know, he'd write something down on his pad, and then he'd scribble it out, and uh, occasionally he'd just tear off a piece of paper, wad it up, and throw it in the trash. Uh, just kind of just wrestling, you know, what does God want me to say to the people this Sunday? Uh, well, during this uh, situation he's you know he's so wrapped up in his work he unbeknownst to him his little seven-year-old boy is standing in the doorway to his study and observing uh, all this that his dad's going through and then he steps in the little boy says daddy and his dad's like oh i didn't see you there son he says daddy i I, i've got a question for you a very curious little kid he said "Uh, where do you get the sermons that you preach to the people every sunday and his dad said, well, son, you know, what happens is that, you know, I pray and I, I talk to God and then God tells me what I should say. I write it down and then I tell the people. But his little boy looked perplexed, you know, it's like, okay, well, I don't understand something, daddy. He said, if God is telling you what to say, why do you keep scribbling it out and throwing it away, right? That's, that's a great question. That's a great question. If God is speaking to you, okay, if he's the one that you're getting the message from, then, then why is it so difficult? You know, why do you, why do you scribble it out and throw it away? Well, that's a great question, and I, and I think it, it's relevant for all of us as God's people because pastors are not the only ones who sometimes struggle to know what God is saying, you know, to discern God's voice. And I want us to talk about that for a few minutes this morning here in Acts chapter 21, and hopefully find some, some helpful things that will, will teach us how better to be attuned to God's voice in each and every one of our lives. And I would, like I said, it's relevant for everybody. Probably the number one question that people have asked me about over the last 30 years of pastoral ministry uh, has something to do with, you know, how can I know what God's will is for, for this area or this situation in my life, or related to that, you know, how can I discern God's voice? How can I really understand what He is saying to me about my life and my situation? Well, let me start by saying this. There's nothing in the Bible to suggest that God does still not speak to His people today, all right? God is a God is a speaking God, and there's nothing in the Scriptures that suggests that He stopped talking to his people. Uh, Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, you and I will hear uh, God's audible voice like some people in the Bible did, and I'm certainly not suggesting that there is going to be any new 
revelation or uh, anything like that that would supersede or contradict what God has already said in the Bible, but God still speaks. And if God doesn't still speak, then why, why would we pray? And why would we ask God for direction? I mean, I just finished saying, here's a prayer request. Pray that God will speak to us when it comes to filling that vacancy on our pastoral staff. Well, why would we do that if God's not going to speak and make his way or his will known to us? One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 33.3. And in that verse, God is really inviting his people into a dialogue with himself. In Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So God speaks. He's invited, call upon me, talk to me, you know, and, and I will answer, and I'll show you some things that you don't know. You know, the God of the Bible is a communicative, relational, personal God who speaks to his people today. Now, that's beyond question. The question really is, are you and I listening to what he has to say? Are, are we able to discern his voice when he speaks? Well, today we're in Acts chapter 21. It's a, it's a very interesting passage because it seems as though God is sending some conflicting or some contradictory messages to his people, to one thing, to, to one person, he seems to be saying this. To another group of people, he seems to be saying you know, something just the opposite, actually. And so how do you discern? How do you know what God is saying? Well, let's take a look. And just by way of review, if, you have, uh, if you've been with us, if you are with us last Sunday, we are in Acts chapter 20, and the Apostle Paul is, is winding down his third and final missionary tour, and he spends three years in this town of Ephesus where he's planted a, a great church there in Ephesus, but the time has come for him to leave, and he really senses strongly that God wants him to go back to Jerusalem where he started the ministry. And if you were with us last week, we read this verse from Acts chapter 20. Look what he says. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So it's very evident from what Paul says here that he clearly believes God is telling him, God is guiding him to go back to Jerusalem. Even though back in Jerusalem, he's got a lot of enemies, a lot of people who would do him harm, who oppose God's message and God's people. And it doesn't really say that Paul you know, heard an audible voice from God, but certainly he seems very confident that this is what God would have him to do. He says, hey, the Holy Spirit is, is uh, directing me, compelling me to go back to Jerusalem. Okay, but then let's flip over to the next chapter, Acts chapter 21, and I, I want to read to you what transpires. So uh, Paul and Luke, Luke's the writer of Acts, Luke's one of Paul's missionary, uh, missionary companions, one of his ministry colleagues. So, so Paul and Luke um, and their ministry team, they get on board a ship and they start heading to Jerusalem because Paul says the Holy Spirit has compelled me to go back to Jerusalem. Um, so we'll pick it up in Acts chapter 21, verse 1. 
And it says, um, after we had torn ourselves away from them, that, that, those were his friends in Ephesus where he'd spent three years. You know, after we left them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Panera. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're awake. Okay. <laughs> The drive-thru, okay? Uh, no, it's, it's Patara, actually. Uh, um, we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, um, went on board, and set sail. Verse 3, after sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there, and that's not a reference to the 12 disciples. These are just brothers and sisters in Christ who... Who, friends of Paul's and the, and the team, they were, they were spending some time with them. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Then look at this, okay? Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Wait. Uh, uh, did you see the conflict there? Uh, just in the, we just read it in chapter 20. Paul says, I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit. This is what God is telling me to do. Go into Jerusalem. And then he gets together with these other Christ followers, you know, spirit-led, God-fearing people. And this group of people says, through the Spirit, Paul, we're telling you, don't go. Don't go. What's going to happen? I mean, I mean... Who's right? I mean, did God change his mind, perhaps, from Acts chapter 20 to Acts chapter 21? Okay, Paul, I told you, but now I'm telling them. And, and you can just sort of see the, the, the conflict and the tension in these verses that we just read. Should he go or should he not go? Seems like the Spirit is saying different things to different people. Um, you know, I've been in meetings like that uh, here at Liberty Church over the years, you know, and you're, you're sitting at a table um, uh, with church leaders and, you know, godly people and spirit-led people, and, and we're, we're talking about some ministry initiative, you know, moving forward on something or, or making a decision as a church that, are, that will impact, you know, our congregation, and, and some of the people around the table will say, we believe this is God's will for us, you know, that God's Spirit is leading us to, to make this move, to, to take this step. But then you've got some other, you know, good and godly people who are like, well, not so fast. We, we, we feel like the Holy Spirit is compelling us to, to wait and to not move forward in this direction or that. So what do you do? What do you do when there seems to be that conflict in what the Spirit is communicating how do you discern God's voice? Well, I mean, in those situations, I, sometimes you can wait. Let's just wait until everybody gets on the same page and then move forward, and that, that, that will work sometimes. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's an opportunity, uh, an open window, an open door that's going to be closing. So to not make any move, to not do anything, is really your answer that you're, you're not going to move forward. So it's hard. It's difficult to discern sometimes what God is saying. How about on a more personal level? Uh, let's say that you are, uh, you're following the Lord and you're, you're trying to be led by His Spirit and you're reading God's Word and, and, and there's, there's a verse, there's a word that God gives you in His, in his Scriptures and, and it touches your heart and it, and it seems to relate very closely to 
to something you're going through in your own life and a decision that you need to make or a life direction that you're thinking about taking and you're thinking, hey, this is the word from God for me. This is what God wants me to do. I, I, the, God is speaking to me. And then you, you, know, you go to your small group, okay, and you, you get around some of your Christian brothers and sisters in Christ and you share that word with them and, and hey, hey, would you pray about this? Here's what I really feel like God is leading me to do. And some of the people who care about you say, wait a minute now. Uh, I, I feel strongly the Holy Spirit is saying, slow down. Don't, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe, that's, maybe you're not seeing this just the right way. And, 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 I, and I feel like God's leading me to give you some clarity on this. But God told you, and, but then God's speaking through them, and, and you both love the Lord. You both want to do what's right. You're both trying to be sensitive to the voice of God, and yet there just seems to be some, some conflict as to, some confusion as to what God is saying. And I just say all that to say this, you know, it can be tough sometimes to discern God's voice. In our fallen, sinful condition, even the best of Christians sometimes struggle to know what God is saying, and nobody gets it right every time. Now, we want to talk about some things today that will help us get it right most of the time, but nobody gets it right every time. And if you've ever wrestled with any of those types of things in your own life, let me just encourage you, you're in good company we got the Apostle Paul right here and these other first century followers of Jesus, devout Christ followers, and they don't even see it the same way. And they both attribute what they're saying to what God is saying. The Holy Spirit led us. The Holy Spirit compelled me. Through the Spirit, we're telling you this. But let's continue reading and see what happens. Verse 7, Luke continues, we continued our voyage from Tyre and landed in Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Verse 10, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So here's another follower of Christ. Uh, he's coming to visit with Paul and his ministry team. And then look what happens with Agabus, verse 11, coming over to us. And this is, pretty <laughs> this is pretty dramatic. Okay, check this out. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt. He tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And so here again, we've got these godly, spirit-led people saying, Paul, uh, hey, we know what you heard back in <laughs> Acts chapter 20, but right here and now, how much more confirmation do you need? You got your brothers and sisters in Tyre. You got this uh, prophet Agabus who's illustrated what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. Going to Jerusalem is not a good idea. And, and these people are sharing this with, with Paul through the Spirit, right? We saw it through the Spirit. And Paul is clearly convict, uh, conflicted by all this because look at verse 13. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Finally, Paul says, enough, enough. 
God has clearly spoken to me. This is what I should do, even if it cost me my life. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So, eventually, what happened? Many of you have read the, the end of the book, so you, so you know what happened. Paul did end up going to Jerusalem, and, it, and what happened in Jerusalem is exactly what his friends said would happen. He is arrested, he's beaten, and he's thrown into prison. Treated very, very harshly. But what about this apparent contradiction between what the Holy Spirit is saying to Paul and what he seems to be saying to others about Paul? Well, first of all, and I think this is so important, you know, it's possible for good and godly people, spirit-led people, to see the same situation from different perspectives. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, we got to leave some room for that. I mean, just because you disagree with what I say doesn't mean you're out of God's will or God's spirit. And I'm not talking about um, issues of morality, right or wrong, immoral or moral. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm talking about judgment issues. It's possible for good, godly, spirit-led people to see the matter from two different perspectives. And neither of them be wrong. Neither of them be out of God's will or out of step with God's Spirit. That's to some degree, is what we're seeing happen here in Acts 21. Paul absolutely discerned that the Lord's voice was telling him to go to Jerusalem. And he was right. His friends, led by the Holy Spirit, were showing their compassion and their concern for Paul by communicating that, Paul, hey, if you go to Jerusalem, here's what's going to happen to you. And they were right. I really don't think it's a contradiction or a conflict as much as just two godly, Christ-centered, spirit-led people seeing the same situation from different perspectives. So no real contradiction, but again, it serves as a good example of how it can be difficult sometimes for us to discern God's will and hear God's voice. So I want to share some things with you that, again, hopefully will enable us to equip us to be, to be more astute at hearing God and discerning what he has to say. So how God speaks to us today. Well, the first way is the most obvious. We talk a lot about it here at Liberty, and that is, of course, God speaks to us through the Word of God, through the Bible. It's not the only way God speaks to us. But it is the primary way that God speaks to us today. And not only that, but it's also important to add, you know, any other way that God may speak to you or speak to me needs to be run through the filter of God's Word, what God has already said. God will never say anything to you in any other capacity that contradicts or supersedes what He's already revealed to you in His Word. So in that way, it, it provides a filter for us by which to run all the other things through. And yet, that's why it's so important that you and I are students of God's Word. That's why it's so vital that you and I are listening to what God has to say through the Scriptures. 
You know, God speaks clearly to us through the Bible on so many important matters impact, impacting our lives. And more than ever, we need the clarity of God's Word to help sort through all the competing voices that we hear in our world. You know, Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But what's that saying? It gives clarity in the darkness. That's what a light does. That's what a lamp does. You're you're surrounded by darkness. You need some light. And in our culture, as our culture and as our society becomes increasingly more dark, the more vital it is that we have a lamp, that we have a light, that we have God's Word to direct us. Listen, our culture, our society is wrapped up in confusion and chaos on matters that God has spoken so clearly to. We've talked about that many times here at Liberty Church. Man, you know, you watch the headlines and what people are debating and talking about and what's right and what's wrong. God has already said. He's already spoken. If we would just listen to Him, it would clear up a lot of the confusion. And I am uh, so thankful. We've We've been talking about kids ministry and ministry to our students. I am so thankful for all of you, all of our church family that invest week in and week out in trying to get God's Word into the lives of children and students. For all you parents who are committed to getting God's truth into the lives of your children. Because as society and culture gets increasingly spiritually dark, how vital is it that they have a, a lamp, they have a light to give them clarity in the darkness. And sometimes God speaks to us through His Word very directly. And I think most of us understand this. A lot of the times it has to do with our own character or our own righteousness. Uh, We just need to listen to what God has to say. So, um, uh, you know, someone mistreats you or treats you unjustly or harshly. Your, Your human temptation is to get angry with them, take revenge on them perhaps, but, but God's word, you know, God speaks to you through his word and says, no, that, that's not how my people are to act. My people are to extend mercy. They're to show grace. They're to offer forgiveness. They're to, you're to love one another, be kind to one another. You know, God's word speaks very clearly to you and I on matters of, of character and, and life in that way. Um, if you have, uh, you know, when God blesses you with resources, uh, like such as talents or treasures, you know, instead of being greedy and proud, that's the temptation to be greedy and proud. The more we have, and uh, God's word speaks to us very clearly. No, no, my people are not to be greedy and proud. They're to be generous and humble and to serve one another. God's word, conti- God continually speaks to us through His word, not to make our lives all about ourselves, not to think that the world revolves around us. God is speaking in those matters, but, but we don't always listen to him. So that's part of growth. That's part of spiritual growth. That's part of discipleship. But you don't get there unless you're committed to being in God's word and letting it be your lamp and your light. I think most of us get that idea, but, but how about this? How does God speak to us through his word on more specific matters? You know, um, God doesn't have a verse for every situation or decision that you and I might make. Questions like, who should you marry? Where should you live? Should you take this job? Should you get the surgery or not? I was talking to somebody in the nine o'clock service who's, who's contemplating, you know, 
surgery. It's a risky thing, but they don't know if it's necessary. You know, how do you know? What does God have to what is, what do you, How can the Bible help you in matters like that? You know, should you put your kids in this school or that school or, or homeschool? And, you know, all these decisions in our lives that you don't really find any chapter or verse for specifically in the Bible. Um, this is years ago now, and I don't know how they got my name, actually, but, uh, but I remember years ago uh, over in the office uh, getting an email from some ministry organization, and, uh, and I, didn't know, I didn't know who they were, but it, just, it was a personal email, and it says, um, uh, Dear Pastor Taylor, is God leading you to move to Mishawaka, Indiana, and plant a new church? I'm like, well, that's, huh, that's odd. Uh, first of all, okay, um, you don't find Mishawaka, Indiana anywhere in the Bible, right? And then I started thinking, does God really lead anybody to Mishawaka, Indiana? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure oh, there's good people in Mishawaka, Indiana, I guess. I'm sure there are. Hopefully they're not watching online, but I'm sure there's good people in Mishawaka, You've had situations like that, you know, like, hey, um, uh, you've got this opportunity or that opportunity, or, or what if you make this decision and, and move this direction, or, or, or put your family over here. You know, there's all these, you know, decisions that we have to make, and, and you don't necessarily, I mean, who do you marry, guys? You know, there's no verse in the Bible who you should marry. Be careful. Don't use the Bible that way, you know? Okay, let's see, God, who do you got in mind for me? Jezebel, oh, okay. Um, no, no. You know, who should I go into business with? Okay, Lord. Uh, Judas, no, don't, no, no, no. That's not how God intends to speak to you through his word. So what do you do in those matters, those specific matters, when there's really no, script, uh, no chapter or verse to answer your question? Well, here's what I found. Seriously, even though God may not directly speak to those kinds of specific situations in your life, what I've found is that when I am faithfully, uh, consistently uh, reading God's Word, His Spirit often provides an indirect answer or guidance in my situation. His Spirit will give me through the Word a, 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 a word of comfort, a word of instruction, a word of guidance that will help you make a better decision. Listen, God wants you to be where he wants you to be, and God can get you to be where he wants you to be if you're humble enough to, to rely on him and, and to, to get into his word and, and to let his word be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Um, again, God is speaking through his word. The, the question is, are we listening? I love this verse from Joshua chapter 1.8. Maybe this could serve as a challenge to, to, to you. Here's what the Lord says to Joshua. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then. Again, God God wants to bless you and lead you and guide you, instruct you. A big part of that is your willingness to Get into the Word of God, study and read the Word of God, and let it be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. Um, What's that? uh, There's a saying, um, 
I got it right in the nine o'clock. Let's see if I get it right again. Um, maybe you've heard this. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Have you heard that? Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And that's true for every facet of life. But when it comes to God's word, maybe you occasionally open the Bible. Maybe you occasionally you know, study the word of God. Maybe for an hour or a half hour on a, on a Sunday morning. It's occasionally for you. But, but successful people, Christians, who are able to discern the voice of God in their life, they're consistently in God's truth. That's what, that's what the Lord is saying to Joshua here in Joshua 1 verse 8. So the word of God. Secondly, the wisdom of others. The wisdom of others. God will often speak through other believers to confirm what he is doing in your own life. You know, Proverbs 15, verse 22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many counselors, they succeed. So it matters what kind of people you have in your life. Now, I mentioned small groups earlier. Having, some, having a group of people in your life who are, are seeking to know the Lord and walk by the Spirit, and they're, they're wrestling with the same things you're wrestling with, trying to discern God's voice. You need some people like that in your life so they can provide wisdom and God can speak through them to help confirm what he's doing or, or offer a word of caution to what he's doing. That's what we see really happening in Acts chapter 21. These, these friends of Paul's were, were just offering a word of caution. God, God's revealed this to us, and, and Paul took it to heart, even though he continued with what God had told him to do. Uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We want to walk in the counsel of the godly. Uh, of, of people who understand God's wisdom because God can speak through them into our own hearts. And what I have found on this is that I don't always have to be seeking advice from someone or seeking direction, but just being in the presence of wise and godly, Christ-centered, spirit-led people, it, 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 just, it rubs off on you. And they may not even realize that God is using them or their wisdom to help you grow. But something they say, how they handled this situation or that situation, it rubs off on you. And, and God speaks to you through it. And, and God brings it to mind and helps you make wiser and better decisions. Don't underestimate the wisdom of others. But it's also important to understand this. You know, the wisdom of others in your life is great confirmation of what God is saying, but it's not the best way to get direction for what God wants you to do. Does that make sense? Beware of the well-meaning Christian who comes up and says, God told me to tell you that you should do this or that. And I'm always like, wait, wait a minute now. Why didn't he tell me? I talked to him. You know, I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus too. I, I, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit in my... Why didn't he tell me? So again... Um, other believers, the wisdom of others, it can, it's great confirmation, but it's, it's not the best place to get direction if you're a believer in Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit in your life. No reason for you to get firsthand information from secondhand sources. So the witness of others is great for confirmation or caution, but not for direction. And again, that's what we see in Acts 21. These other believers spoke truth into Paul's life, 
Paul considered it, but he, he relied on the direction he got from the Holy Spirit personally. Wisdom of others. Uh, how about this? How does God speak to us today? Through the witness of Christ's peace. The witness of Christ's peace. And this can be somewhat subjective, and our feelings can be misleading. But the peace of Christ in your heart is really more than just an emotion or a feeling. It is an objective reality based on your personal relationship with God. That's the, that's the role of the witness of Christ's peace. Here's what Paul says, actually, in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That Greek word, that Greek verb, to rule, as it's used there in the original language, literally means to act as an arbitrator. And what is the role of an arbitrator? Well, an arbitrator is there to settle a dispute between two opposing parties. That's what the word means. Let the, let the peace of Christ serve as an arbitrator in your life, in your soul, in your mind. So when you're trying to make a decision and you don't know which way to go, there's, there's opposing ideas, right? They're, they're, they need some arbitration, they, you know, they help, help you figure it out. And what Paul is saying is, let the peace of Christ do that. Let the peace of Christ in your heart settle the dispute. And it's hard to explain, but if you have a relationship with Jesus, you know when you've got the peace of Christ about it. And you know when you don't. And I would say this, brothers and sisters in Christ, never go against the witness of Christ's peace in your life. If you're faced with a decision, a change in direction, um, maybe there's a lot at stake in which, which way you go, I would just say this, never go against the peace of Christ in your heart. Let that be the arbitrator. Let, let that be the decision maker for you. No matter how attractive the job offer might be, okay, no matter how attractive she might be, or how charming he might be, or how great the opportunity looks, if you don't have the peace of Christ in your heart, best to not move in that direction. Let it rule. Let it arbitrate in the decisions that you make. That's one way that God speaks to you today. So the word of God, the wisdom of others, the witness of Christ's peace, uh, one more, and we'll close with this, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I can't say that I've ever heard God's audible voice out loud, you know, speaking to me from heaven, but I am convinced, and I know some of you are convinced because I've had conversations with you about it. I'm convinced that I have heard the whisper of God's Spirit in the, in the quietness of my own mind and my own heart. And you, 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 there's just no other way for me to describe it. And again, I've talked to many of you about that, but, but there, is a, there is a voice, there is a whisper in which, and many times it's in the context of God's Word coming into our life, maybe in a, in a worship service like this, and you're hearing God's Word proclaimed and and. The whisper of God, the whisper of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about your own life and applying what's being said to your life. That can happen in a worship service like this or sometimes when you're just on your own reading the Bible in your car, listening to worship music or, or someplace, somewhere. 
where your focus is on the Lord and you're wanting Him to speak to you and, and you experience it, you hear it. It's the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and many times we want God to speak to us in bold, you know, thunderous, you know, ex, you know extravagant ways. But more times than not, it's, it's a whisper. Are, are you familiar with the account of Elijah in 1 Kings 19? Now you can, we don't have time to read the whole thing, but you can read about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He was a great prophet of the Lord, had a heart for the Lord really a great servant of the Lord, but he had reached a low point in his life in 1 Kings 19. He was tired, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually drained. He had a lot of enemies, a lot of people criticizing him. Uh, He really had reached a low point in his life. What he thought he needed was God to show up in some big, thunderous, you know, fireworks sort of way. But that's not what God gave him in that moment. He's losing his faith. You know, he's hiding in a cave from his enemies. He's feeling sorry for himself. And I want you to see how the Lord spoke to him. It's 1 Kings 19, verse 11. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. Some of your translations have a still small voice. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He was in the gentle whisper. Sometimes we think we need a dramatic, loud, thunder and lightning type of experience with God, but God doesn't give us that. God speaks to us through His Spirit, and often it is just a gentle whisper. Why, would you, why do you think? Why do you think God would describe His voice that way to Elijah as a gentle whisper? I have a theory. I have a theory as to why God describes it that way. Well, when you whisper to someone, they need to be close to you, right? I mean, unless you're wearing a microphone like me, but... But, but in a relationship, if you're going to whisper something to somebody, they've got to, they've got to come up close so they can hear you. Could it be? The reason God describes it, his voice that way is because unless you're close to him, unless you're walking with him, unless you're being obedient to him, unless you're humbly seeking him and listening to him, you're not going to hear it. It's a gentle whisper. I mean, everybody can see the fireworks. Everybody can see the lightning. God isn't always in that. But he is in this, calling Elijah close. What are you doing here, Elijah? I've got a word for you. I want to talk to you. I want to speak to you. Don't underestimate the importance of stepping back 
from a chaotic, busy, loud, noisy world and just listening. Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to speak to your mind. Again, many times it's when in the context of God's word. But listen, we, we live in a tremendously busy, noisy world and, and, and we lead to some degree, you know, chaotic, noisy lives. And some of you like that, you know, not everybody, but some of you just like all the energy and all the busyness and all the noise and, and, and okay, I, I get that. But, but for each and every one of us, if we want to hear that still small voice, if we want to hear that gentle whisper, it requires a stepping back from all that and saying, Lord, I'm focused on you right now. I want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to miss the gentle whisper. And the closer you walk with the Lord, the more consistently you walk with the Lord, the more clear that gentle whisper becomes. Elijah found that to be true. So will you. So will I. Are you listening for his voice? 